you, you see the stories of, of the kids who have birthday parties and nobody shows up. Mm-hmm. As a Miracle League player, that doesn't happen because you have teammates. Yeah. And that's important. Not only on the field, but that's important off the field, which is much more important in, in the grand scheme of things than anything that we do. And that's why we love what we do. You're listening to the Water Prairie Chronicles, a podcast that supports parents of children with disabilities by sharing the stories of individuals who have grown up with disabilities and the organizations available to help parents along the way. Stay connected with us by clicking the subscribe button and leave us a comment if you want to join in on the conversation. Today we're going to be talking about a sports program that my family was a part of for many years. My daughter Emily was a player on a baseball team from the third through twelfth grade. My husband, Steve, was a buddy for her team first and then became a coach until she graduated. My son, Christopher, became a buddy for Emily when he was pretty young. And then again, he also volunteered with his high school baseball team for a couple of years before he graduated. And both Emily and Christopher had their first actual jobs as part of the field staff here. And the program that I'm talking about is the Miracle League of the Triangle. And today our guest is Mr. Benji Caps. He's the executive director of the Miracle League of the Triangle. So Benji, welcome to the Water Prairie Chronicles. Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate you uh, reaching out to us on this. So we always start out with this question. Tell us just a little about who you are. I'm a guy who is a very rarity. I'm born and raised in, in the Triangle area of North Carolina. Always played sports my whole life and, and all the way up into college. So sports have always been a part of me. When we, we were finding out we were having our first son, we were very excited. And then when he was born, he, he had issues. He ended up having cerebral palsy. Uh, we learned very early on for him. So we always, at that point on, were looking for ways to to get involved and to help kids like Micah. So we we had worked a lot with uh, Easter Seals and UCP uh, during those years. And I was uh, in the restaurant business at that time. And then in 2014, the Miracle League uh, Triangle needed an, uh, an executive director position came available. And so it had always interested me. I'd done a lot with the, with the other nonprofits. My father had been in a nonprofit for his whole career and it still is. So getting into that field really kind of interested me and to do it. And this was a perfect fit with being what the Miracle League of the Triangle is. And so when this position came available, I was lucky enough to get it back in 2014 and have been here ever since. Uh, we've seen a lot of growth with the Miracle League, but it, it's truly a blessing, you know, for me to be able to do it and to be a part of what this organization is, not just for Micah, but for our whole family. Um, watching my, my sons being able to be spend more time with them uh, versus in a restaurant business being able to do this. And to see the growth and to seeing the growth of all the players that Emily included from that young age all the way up into high school and even adulthood, you know, it really matters and it means a lot to me. And that's what kind of drives me every day is, is seeing those kids and those those players make those strides. Well, I know personally, um, Emily's confidence that she has today, I think I can go back and point to the Miracle League having a big part in that. Um, just having the opportunity for her to sing the national anthem in front of people and, you know, um, to express her talents and her interest in different ways. Um, it just, it gave her a really great acceptance area. Yeah, too. I mean, Micah, when we started back in 2007, Mark, Micah started and he was five. And so as you've been around the little kids enough that we have kids who are runners and what that means is that kid gets <laughs> on the field and they just run everywhere that they go. And so Micah was a runner. And so Micah got got on the field, closed the gate and he was gone. And we always warned the buddy, hey, I hope you got your running shoes on today because Micah's a runner. <laughs> so as Micah grew older and older, you know, that was always kind of, you know, the running lesson a little bit. But um, I played soccer, football, basketball, and baseball from the time I was in eighth grade to the time I went to college. Wow. So sports was always a part of my life. The one thing I did not like to do was run. So <laughs> so Micah gets to high school and, and, he, and he, we're coming up to the spring season and he comes up to me one day and goes, I think I want to run track. Oh, wow. And so I was like, okay, well, let's go talk to the coach. Um, you may have to be a manager this year. I don't know where the process is, but – 
you may have to be a manager this year, but you'll be on the team and you'll learn from there and, and we'll, we'll figure it out. And so Michael goes out, we, we set up a time to meet with the coach, him and the coach hit it off right away. And Michael was a four-year letterman in track and a three-year letterman in cross country because of that wow. coach coached both things. And so he always took the time to invest in Micah to, to push Micah to points that we, we didn't think Micah could be and, and was always just a driving force in Micah's high school career. But I, I look back and go, well, Micah was always a runner and that really kind of served him well going into high school and it gave him that confidence that you just talked about with Emily right. to go be able to want to do something that's new and different and something that hadn't been done. There's lots of stories in the Miracle League about that. And that's really what makes us happy to be a part of, of these lives. Now, you and I know from personal experience what the Miracle League is, but what exactly is the Miracle League of the Triangle? Very simply, the Miracle League of the Triangle is a baseball league. But what sets it apart is all of our players have IEPs, 504 plans in schools. We have players anywhere from five years old up to 65 years old throughout our various leagues. We say a baseball game, it's a two in a baseball game. Uh, every kid gets their own uniform, a hat at the beginning of the season. They're on teams. We have teams anywhere from 12 to 15 players. And our league is big enough. We're able to, to align players by their grade in school. So they're playing third graders are playing against third graders and uh, not playing against high schoolers. But they go out and they play a two-inning game. So we give them all the little extras that the major league players get. Every player gets to pick their own nickname. Uh, and you have anywhere from princesses to big hitters <laughs> to uh, – the big Lebowski's to Micah is the cool our brotato this year. So okay. <laughs> it, it, it runs a range of where the nicknames are. And then they also get to pick up their own walk-up music. A lot of times it's the popular song of the year, whether it's happy, whether it's uh, the frozen songs, or it's something that you can tell their parents picked it or they picked it as they age up. Right. But so that's to start the game. We do starting lineups for every player. We do a national anthem. A lot of times, like you said, our, our players are singing the national anthem before the game. And then once the game starts, uh, every kid gets a hit. Every kid gets to run the bases in their way that they're able to. Every kid gets to score. Um, and every kid then goes and plays the field. And we do that for two innings. Uh, in between the first and second inning, because we have a shortened game, we have the second inning stretch uh, where we allow everybody to celebrate Harry Carey and sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game, uh, depending on what day it is, how much involvement our, our fans have. Uh, and then we do it again the second inning, and it's an amazing thing that always happens no matter how many players are playing, the game always ends in a tie. And at that point, we say what really means the most about Miracle League, and the winner is, and everybody is, everybody. Everybody, I know. <laughs> That's a and so while, yeah, we're a baseball league, we, we provide so much more. So during that game, we have buddies who are one-on-one -on -one with the players on the field uh, as a volunteerism. We have volunteers who are announcing volunteers who are running the scoreboard and the DJ, and, and we have all volunteer coaches. So um, volunteerism is a big part of our community. So we, again, baseball starts with what happens on the field, but we bring players, you know, people from the able-bodied community in to be a part of it. And then what happens in the stands for our families because the advocacy that happens there is just as important as what happens on the field for parents. Because you know, if your son is having a bad day or your daughter's having a bad day, you come to the field, they might be, or they might be, but they know that you're going through it and you're gonna get through it and, and we're there for you. And that is as important as any other aspect of our community. So while again, it's a baseball league. There's so many different layers that we have onto us that, that really drives the miracle part of the Miracle League. One of the biggest things that stood out for me when we first joined was seeing the parents who were stressed out coming in because they were worried about how their child was going to be received and then seeing them leave at the end knowing that the entire community that was there was embracing their child, embracing them, 
and they could actually breathe for a moment and just relax. They didn't yeah. have to worry about anyone being judgmental or not understanding if their child looked or acted differently because every kid is, is unique and individual and it really doesn't matter. That's part of what the game is. And um, and so that for for the years that the rest of the family was out in the field doing things, my my role was sitting in the stands and and being another mom next to the other moms and um and the conversations that were there half the time we weren't always watching the kids play <laughs> we we were we were plugging into each other's background stories and trying to encourage each other and i think that's just as big of a part of what the program is is supporting those families that that come in looking for help and support yeah i mean for a lot of our players and our families the kids are doing something that they never thought they would have a chance to absolutely. do absolutely to be a part of a team, to be a part of something on a field and be a part of having fans watch and cheer. And so that, that goes a long way into that uniqueness of it. And that, that just sitting back and going, huh, you know, when you have, you have kids through, through, through the years, kids that have, that have played on Emily's team, you have, um, cartwheels happening over, over home plate as they come in to, 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 to score. You have wheelchairs that are doing wheelies around home plate. It's, it, you know, high, high fives from younger siblings sitting at the fence. Um, waiting for their brother or sister to come by and give them a high five after they come across. It, it, it's a lot of fun. And um, yeah. and anyone that we've ever taken from our church or friends just to watch a game, they've never left without just just being a, an, an, an up, uplifting feeling for them and wanting to come and volunteer. So yeah. um, so it, it's when, if you're listening to this and you've never heard of the Miracle League, you need to go check it out. <laughs> we say a lot, if you're having a bad day, go to a Miracle League game. Cause oh, absolutely. Because you know, holy <laughs> will change. You know, we talk about volunteers and um, we get a lot of baseball teams, like you talked about with your son that comes in and, and we've had many coaches say, Hey, we've been in a rut. We came to the miracle league and it really changed our perspective on how things go that we realize we're very privileged to be able to play a game. So stop stressing about it and getting all uptight about it and just go play the game. Right. Because just like those kids did go just like the miracle league players did go play the game with joy and enjoy it instead of stressing and worrying about it. But that perspective is what, you know, really brings that, that, that volunteer community into us to really get something out of it. Right. So, um, so just, just for our listeners, we're talking about the Miracle League of the Triangle specifically, and we're going to dig a little bit deeper into how their program is running. But those of you that are listening across the country, there are Miracle League programs all across the country. And we have a few listed on our resources page, but we're actually going to ask you to go to the national site and contact them. And I'm putting that link in the show notes for this so that you can see where to go. And the reason we're doing that is because the list is going to be ever-changing, and that way you'll get the most up-to-date information. They're very quick to respond, so if you send them an email or give them a call, you'll be able to get an answer pretty quickly on that. But for the rest of this, let's talk more specifically about the Miracle League of the Triangle. So you said that they started in 07? So we started our league in uh, 05, 06 is when we were formed as a nonprofit. Okay. Um, we played that first spring season of 06 in the parking lot at Adams Elementary School while oh, really? the field was being constructed. <laughs> Not many people remember that, but we opened our first field, uh, the Highway 55 Foundation Field in Cary, uh, and, and in September of 2006. Uh, okay. So that's when we started. We had about 108 players. 25 30 wow, coaches <laughs> uh on eight teams so it was really a unique experience to be out there and to, to get it started uh you know we just celebrated last year 15 years of being a part of uh, being an organization and we still had uh 30-ish players and five coaches that have been around every season of those 15 wow. years yeah. wow yeah we we stepped in in 08 so so mm -hmm. you'd been around a little bit so i i thought it had been longer than that 
So Micah started in the spring season in 07. So we missed one season, uh, okay. but we've been around since that point. Wow. All right, so we touched on this a little bit, but who can play and what ages are those? We base our, our eligibility on, on an IEP. So we start at kindergarten school age. We were originally started as a school age league. So we really covered from kindergarten to high school. Back in 2014, 15, all those kids who had started are now in high school and in adults. And so, you know, being in, in, in Wake County and North Carolina schools, you can be in high school until you're 21. So that we, we noticed we were very stagnant in growth at that point. So at that time, we decided to start an adult league. Um, we started an adult league in 2015. We uh, started about 48 players on four teams. Um, and it really kind of not only allowed them to grow and to be something unique, on, on a Tuesday night, but it allowed our high schoolers who were not being able to play on the Friday night high school league move up into play. Our adult league has quickly grown to where we have 10 teams in our adult league now. Wow. Our, our league has grown in that regard, but our high school age kids are now all able to play on Friday nights and be able to do it. Uh, so right now we have players, I think, a youngest as a five-year-old and up to 63 years old right now playing in the league. We've said carry a couple of times, so you have more than just one field. So where are the games played? So we have the field and carry, which we, we opened in 2006. In 2014, we knew we needed a second field. Well, in about 2012, we needed a second field to continue to grow. We had maxed out the capacity at the carry field. So we opened the field in North Raleigh, up, up towards Wake Forest, um, the uh, Fred Smith Company's field in March of 2014 uh, to kind of alleviate that. And there we started about 90 players. Um, and that one has continued to grow over the years. We've had an adult league up there. Um, so that's our two current fields that we have. We have a third field that's under construction in downtown Durham. Partnership with the Durham Bulls. It's called the Durham Bulls Miracle League field, but it is really right across the street from Durham, where the Durham Bulls play. Uh, it is scheduled to open up this year, uh, fall of this year. So uh, those are our three current fields. Could be more in the future, I don't know, but you know, our goal is to serve as many players in the triangle as we possibly can. You know, when you look at the, the, the way the area has grown, even from 2006, how many new people are in Wake County and, and the surrounding areas every year, there's a lot more people who are coming in that, that are gonna need our services and need us. Yeah. And so our, we continue to try to reach out and to do that and continue to have a ability to serve all these players who wanna play. And that's why we, we look to open new fields and new facilities to be able to do it. Um, you know, even if it's a parking lot where we can get some teams together to play, we, we wanna have as many players as possible playing at all times. So you've talked about the parking lot, but the Miracle League fields are specially made. What mm -hmm. is What makes it accessible to everyone? The biggest thing is, is there's no barriers. Our, our current two fields that we have are a rubberized surface called Mondo. If you've ever won, ran on one of the squishy tracks, that's the material that Mondo okay. is, that rubberized surface. So uh, there's no wheel, there's no barriers or, or bumps or, or anything that are going to slow down wheelchairs or walkers. It gives a little when you fall. There's no bad bounces, but it really just kind of holds up to allow every kid to be able to have access to that field, which is very important to us. Our field that we're building in Durham is a little different. It's a turf. It's a very tight nap turf. That's going to oh. provide a little more of a realistic baseball look, but have the same availability that there's no edges, there's no ridges or anything. The smooth, the smoothness for wheelchairs and walkers to be able to have access okay. to it. So it's a little different. Hopefully it'll be a little cooler um, and drain a little better, but you know, we'll see about that. But that, that's really kind of type of surface. The most important thing is we want to have, give everybody access to that with, with no barriers. There's no grass allergies. There's no daisies to pick when in the middle of a baseball game. They're just <laughs> out there to, to have a good time on that field. And uh, you described a typical game already for us, but do the teams practice? So no, we don't do any practice. Now, occasionally we'll do some clinics either before the season, during the season or during the summer. Um, we have various teams that 
that play different capacities and um, being, we have an advanced players Academy. They have a couple of practices before they start their games, but our regular league does not practice at all. They have an eight week season and, and that's really all that is. It's usually whatever day they play, they come at that time and play their game. And that's um, twice a year, correct? Correct. We play a spring season and a fall season. Our spring season typically runs the eight weeks before Memorial day. Um, with the Easter break in there at some point. And then our fall season runs uh, the week after Labor Day through about Halloween is typically when it wraps up. Weather is a big factor in all this, but also the access to volunteers, access to get people out there. When you have over 500 players, you have lots of volunteer needs. That So you really got to allow that schools to get in session to get to volunteer groups, as well as getting stuff ended before all your college kids and so forth move on uh, post Memorial Day. So you said there's over 500 players involved in the program now? Yeah, currently we have right at 500 players that we have on our carry field, our Raleigh field, and then our advanced players academy that we have. Um, our goal as an organization is to serve five, a thousand players a season. You know, what that looks like, it, you know, with the third field, will, you know, having the capacity to be able to do that. Each team has 12 to 15 players. So I think we have 36 teams this, this spring season. Uh, we've seen a great rebound since COVID. You know, obviously in 2020, we didn't play. In the spring of 2021, we had a very modified season where there was only one team on the on the field at a time. And I think we had like 200 and, um, 280 players. And then in the fall, we opened it up a little bit more. And it, we, we expected about 350, but we ended up having 400 players for that fall season. And then this year, we've seen a, another big drastic growth up to about 480 in our regular leagues and 24 in our advanced players academy. So uh, over 500 players playing right now. Wow. Well, so with that many, how, how do you handle the buddy system? I mean, maybe describe the buddy system a little bit first and then tell yeah. us how, how you go about getting that covered. Our on-the-field volunteers are come in three capacities. Support volunteers, which are the, the umpires who are out there, the, the designated pitchers if we have them. And then we have the coaches. Now, the coach volunteer commitment is an is a eight-week commitment. Um, but again, there's no practices. You come 15 minutes before your game, you have your game, and then you know a few minutes afterwards, and you're able to get out of there. But each team usually has three to four coaches, sometimes five coaches on it. Um, and then we have a buddy for every player that's on the field. Uh, the way we run our, our volunteer shifts is every shift is two games long. So if on Saturday we, we have eight games, we have four volunteer shifts for that Saturday. We have one on Friday nights. We have one on Tuesday, one on Thursday night. So we allow the buddies to really kind of pick and choose. You can come for that one that one shift, or you can come for a shift a week. You can come for a Tuesday night. You can come for a Saturday. Uh, but also we, we use a lot of volunteer groups um, to kind of fill that. We were very fortunate in this area to have the amount of volunteers that play in sports teams, whether they're the college baseball, softball. We even had football teams out this year. Wow high school teams uh, all across the board, whether the football, baseball, softball, volleyball, basketball, all come out and be it. And then all the, the individual travel teams that come out of it, you know, and then you have your civic groups, your church groups who are looking for volunteer opportunities. And while I'm naming lots of groups, we still struggle to fill all these volunteer shifts. Um, we use in 2019, we used over, we had over 4,000 volunteer opportunities and used over 14,000 volunteer hours. So we, it, it's a big part of our organization. So it, it takes a lot of commitment and, and, and time to, to kind of round up all the volunteers that we do without them. We couldn't do what we do to the level that we do it. Do the volunteers need any type of special training? The, our only requirement is 12 years and up. 
um, just for safety to be able to, you know, one of your jobs on the field is to protect a player. So being 12, we feel you're able to do that. Uh, we provide uh, volunteer training for our buddies before they go on the field for the first time. After that, okay. they don't have to do the buttery training anymore. Um, it, it takes about 15 minutes before your shift. Um, we encourage people to watch the video before they come, but if they don't, we still cover that at the field and, and really kind of cover the, the scenarios that they'll see most likely on the field at all times. Now we always tell them, we're a league of exceptions. Things could happen. Get a staff member, get a mom, get a coach, get somebody who's a little more familiar if you, you get into that. Um, but it's really about going out, sharing the field with them, interacting with them, making them feel like they're the, the star of the field and having a great time. Most importantly, have fun. It's a baseball league. You know, We want you out there having fun. And you can really see the apprehensive ones once they get on the field. It's like, oh, this is kind of fun. And they really kind of get into it. And by the end of it, Man, you know these players taught me so much more than I could ever teach them. Um, they give they 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 they've done so much more for me than I. You know we get that so many times. It really kind of I'm going to be back next week. I'm going to come on if I come on a group. I'm going to come on my own. You know another time. So we just love coming out here to be a part of it. One of our better pictures that we have is when NC State baseball came out. I think it was in 2017, 2018. But you have these big six foot three, six foot four guys. <laughs> with our little kindergartners in the outfield playing duck, duck, goose and absolutely getting destroyed <laughs> and cut duck, duck, goose because they couldn't get up fast right. enough to catch the kids. They were, they had too high. So the little kids were moving around so fast. It, it was, it was, a, it was pretty funny to see out there. I know um, when we were talking about the outfield, there's different games going on in the outfield at the same time as the baseball game. So you've got <laughs> games of catch going on. You've got kids that are actually trying to field the balls that are coming to them. Right. And then you have the, the, the games of, of chase with Micah. So, um, so it's, it's, it's fun. There's always some, something to watch going on. And it's fun over a season to see the improvement of the kids' skills, being able to catch the ball that they may not have been able to catch it. I had a, a son that was kind of, he's about three years, uh, three and a half years younger than Micah. So uh, watching him kind of go through T-ball and, and, and coach pitch and the kids pitch and the, so was very similar to what the Miracle League goes with because we start with our little kids on T-balls and you have a couple that can hit a pitch and then they go to coach more, more of a coach pitch, a little easy toss. And then as your kids get older, they're hitting the ball harder, hitting the ball further. And like you said, some kids, I'm going to feel it at first. Nobody's out, but yeah. they still want to go through that process of being a part yeah. of it. And, and you, like you said, the skills develop throughout the season, throughout the years until they really are really into it. Um, and that's where we noticed we needed that advanced player. So some of those kids are really good. Um, but we noticed when they get to that 13, 14 year old age group, there was a separation between the you know able bodied kid and, and, and our unique needs kids where they yeah. couldn't keep up on the field. So we started this advanced player academy where they were playing kids like themselves in games. But there's outs, there's winners, there's losers out there, and they'll tell you who they are because they're all about <laughs> that competitive part of it. But they they play on a regulation field, so but they really kind of get into that. Um, part of it. So, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing is that development, not from just game to game, but from season to season as they get older. Well, yeah, because as they got into high school, you've got kids that are just throwing it over the fence when they hit it. <laughs> and um, and that that's the age that we had to be more careful with Emily, because if she right. were to get hit with that ball, it was more of a danger. And so Christopher's job was to to screen her from any balls. <laughs> when he remembered that was his job. <laughs> that's right. He's a teenager, too. So you that's just, exactly you know, what they remembered. <laughs> And it was it was just just his sister, 
but he he, he actually <laughs> took took it very seriously. But he was also playing catch with her, and you know, and and helping her have fun with the game too. Right. So um, so yes, it was always fun there. So we talked about the buddy special trainings for the coaches. What type of training do they have? For every season, we, we do our coaches meeting. We feed them, and then we take them through like an hour, hour and a half of, of kind of what a what a season, what a game, what it's going to look like when they get out there to try to ease ease them into it for our new coaches. And really kind of for our veteran coaches to be at, you know, share knowledge that they've worked out. And so right. uh, usually our coaches meeting, it has a kind of group session where everybody's together that we kind of give the semantics of you need to do this. You need to call your players. You need to, to reach out every week. You got to do lineups. And then we break it out into different groups um, where we, we break down the gameplay. What does a pitching coach do? What does a hitting coach do? What does the, the dugout coach do? Um, to, you know, what does – how does check-in happen? How does, you know, how do we dismiss the kids um, to, you know, what is, you know, what is the dugout coach in charge of? And really to kind of A for safety stakes, because we do have kids moving around. We have bats, we have balls flying around. We want to make sure everybody's aware of where they are and understands the right. responsibility of, Hey, you're the batting coach. So that area is yours. You have to be a, you know, the air traffic, air traffic controller, <laughs> stop that kid, bring that kid, tell them to go. So, you know, People aren't running each other. It's a busy area. There's balls flying around, and you know, little kids are gonna. It's like a, they're gonna chase the ball wherever it is, and if it's down there, that's where they're gonna chase it. So, you know, we want to make sure everybody knows and understands that. And then the other part of it is, we want to give them that chance to know what they're in for when they show up for the first time. And uh, that is just not a normal baseball game. There's lots going on. <laughs> hey, it's okay if a game of duck duck goose breaks out in the outfield sometimes. Right. <laughs> but at the same time, we want to, we want our coaches to challenge the players to to make those steps because a lot of times that hanging out in the outfield is just hey, I'm bored. You know. Yeah. Um. One of my, one of my, the challenges I give to every coach is hey every every inning if you're in the field you need to have an interaction with a player on your team, whether that's tossing whether that's talking whatever that is. Have that interaction because it makes the inning go by faster. But also, you learn about that player. You learn what they like. Right. You learn what they can do and can't do. So as their buddies are out there, and if you notice a buddy struggling, you, well, you know what that player can do. So you go and show, hey, you know, this really works really well for them. If they're in the wheelchair and they can't throw, put the ball in the lap, and a lot of times they can rush it off their lap. Uh, some kids can catch, some kids throw, just being whatever they can do, but trying to really encourage the interaction with the players uh, and, and to, as a coach to become familiar with them because, you know, those friendships and st I still get coached. I, I haven't coached a game since 2015 and I still get coached, called coach all the time. So, you know, that, that will always be with you, but you have to make the effort into being out there and, and to modeling the behavior that you want the buddies to do. And so we really encourage them to do that during that training process. Yeah, I was thinking too that you have um, it's important that they're doing that because you have nonverbal kids who right. are going to be able to tell their buddy what they want to do or what they enjoy, but there's a way the buddy can communicate with them and the coach can help facilitate that for them to get them started. And, and I always say I, they're, they're, you're going to have a moment that's that it moment out there and it's going to be with you for the rest of your life. And, and you could have one, you could have 10, but unless you make the effort, you won't have those. You know, it's whether it's you, you work with a kid for for the four or the five first games of the season to kind of get him to play baseball with you or throw a ball with you. You know, instead of holding his doll, he has a big bird and, and Elmo in his hands, you know, but kind of going out there and working with him, working with him to where you get to the point. And it's going to be a lot of failure. He's not going to throw the ball. He's not going to, he's not going to do it. But, you know, by the fifth game, he's playing catch with you in the outfield. And then his buddy is his dad. And then he's playing catch with his dad for the first time ever. I mean, you know, the kid is 15 years old. And those moments make all the other failures 
mute at that point, but they don't matter anymore because that success is what it's all about. But again, we encourage our coaches to take those efforts to do that. And that's really what the training is about. It's not about, hey, you throw a two-seam fastball this way. It's about, hey, go interact with your players, get to know them, get to learn about what they can and can't do. Learn what those abilities that those players have are. Don't just put them in that they don't have those abilities. Learn what those abilities are, and that's really important. If a family wants to participate, how do they register? So I, I, the best avenue for us to communicate is our website. MLTriangle.com is the best way to be a player, to be a volunteer, or to be a donor uh, is through that that website. So if you want to be a, if you want to register and kind of get on our mailing list, go to our website. All our registrations are a two-step process, whether you're a player or a volunteer. So the first step is to kind of get in our system. As a player to kind of get approved as a player, we'll call you and talk to you and kind of do a little interview to make sure, you know, this is what you need. And, and it takes about two seconds. And then we say, yeah, you're a new member. Right. New league. <laughs> but the important part of that is we, you get on our mailing list. So, you know, when the season registration is going to happen, you know, when the season dates are, you know, all the all the goings on with the Miracle League because you'll be communicated through that email. And for a volunteer, it's the same thing. Hey, I want to be a volunteer. OK, so we, call, we make sure you are who you say you are. And then we do a volunteer. You know, for a coach, we would do background checks every three years uh, for what, what is required. Um, so you'll have to go through that process if you're a coach. But once you're in our system, you'll you'll get the notifications of when to sign up, when the leagues happen. And then as you want to buddy it, now that you're in our system, been approved, you can go and schedule yourself when you want to be a buddy. If okay. you want to be a coach, you'll get a schedule that says you can be a this is your game times and we'll give you a schedule. But we really leave the, the availability up to what you want to do um, to be in that role. Uh, so that's really how a family wants to participate, whether they're a player, whether they're a volunteer, it's really just kind of go through our website and register. Um, again, uh, what we usually run registrations for our players starts about uh, six weeks before our season starts. So we'll run registration for about a month, about four weeks. That gives us time to get uniforms ordered, get all the hats ordered and get all the teams made out. Um, and then for coaches, it runs about the same time. And then for our season volunteers, uh, as far as buddies and coaches or buddies wise, it'll start closer to the season when you can sign up and, and to get and to go from there. Right. Along with that, if a, a local organization wants to come in and volunteer just for mm -hmm. one shift, how mm -hmm. do they do that? Uh, so again, register and mark yourself as you want to bring a group. And at that point, you'll, you'll get contacted by our, our volunteer coordinator, our okay. director of baseball operations. And so we do our group, we do our group volunteer schedule first before we open up individual buddies because they fill such a big role. Typically right. every shift has two buddy groups, anywhere from 10 to 15 players to kind of fill that. Um, so we, we will go through and we will schedule out all the groups that we have that have interest for the really the first part of the season. Usually we try to schedule out the first four weeks to kind of get yeah. it going. And then as the season goes on, you have different groups coming in to kind of be volunteers. And we really will give, we ask for three dates. What are your three best dates that you want to go? And okay. then we'll kind of schedule based off of that. So it's not a, you have to do it at this time unless we get towards the end of the season. We really want to give you some availability to work when you want to work, because you're going to have the best outcome. Because if you say you're going to volunteer and bring 15 and you bring five, that didn't do, do, do us a lot of good. So we want to be able to make sure you get the maximum capacity out for your volunteer group. So you're signing up and you're just saying how many people are in your group at that right. point. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so those, those are listening. I, I'd encourage you to try it out. It's yeah. I mean, at least, at least one shift, just see, see how it is or go and watch a game first and right. then, and then jump in from there. For a work group. Hey, let's work. Let's go work. Go grab some dinner and then go volunteer on a Tuesday night at the Miracle League. We'll be done by nine o'clock. Yeah. You know, you, you go work, you go get some dinner and you go hang out and play games with our adults. And it is a, it is a ton of fun. So, I mean, there's always avenues to bring people out and to do it. It doesn't have to be a, a, a civic group or a team. It could just be a group from the office. 
I mean, just to come out and, and to volunteer. I mean, it, it, there's lots of avenues for you to come out. We have some parents that have never been involved before who are going to find this now. Mm-hmm. If they have concerns about their child, what what is it that they need to understand of how their child is going to be taken care of? Who's going to care for them? What role does the parent have? Things like that. We talk about a league being a league of exception. So a lot of our kids are one of uh, in, in our world. So w- what you are bringing is not new to us. We're, 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 we're familiar with it. And the best part is we're not going to put them in danger anyway. It's just a baseball <laughs> game. So whatever you're comfortable with, um, you know, if you want a buddy, we encourage a lot of parents who are a little hesitant to be their buddy for the first few games, kind of get out there and see how it goes. So you understand what it's about. I remember when, when I started back in 2000, I'm like, there's no way this is going to be any fun. There's no way this is going to work. <laughs> yeah. And look how well I did with that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but ask questions when you're talking to the, to, to the director or player, whoever's called you to talk about your player being interviewed. If you have questions or concerns, speak them up. We will we, we'll, we'll gladly be able to answer them. Um, you know, communication is the best thing that we can do, especially during COVID. We've had to be, you know, there's been lots of communication back and forth of what, what we're doing for this and what's going to happen with this. And right. Hey, we, you know, We've had no outbreaks at the field in two years, knock on wood. I mean, it's been great to be able to be out there and, and do all the precautions that we're doing. But but ask questions as you would with any organization of what the expectations are, what what's going to happen out there. Um, you know, we'll have somebody with that with your player at all times. When they go to the bathroom, you're responsible for taking them to the bathroom. We ask a parent or a guardian to be at the field at all times in case something happens that that is something that we don't know about or we couldn't control. We want you to be there to be able to provide that. You know, we have players that have behavior issues. We want to make sure a parent's there to kind of help it. You know, we, we have ways to de-escalate and to help with that. But a parent is always the number one resource that we're going to have in any situation of that regard. So, again, ask questions, be up front, be there, and, and we'll make sure that you have a good time. The best part is watch your kid coming around third base and the name's getting announced. The smile there will kind of – it makes everything, everything better. Right, so we talked earlier about the national organization, mm-hmm. and I told everyone to contact there. But I know there's a national organization that's there, but are all the programs independent or are they connected with each other? So we're all independent. Um, there's over 320-ish that are across the United States and, and Canada, Mexico, Puerto Rico. Wow. Um, but everyone is kind of run how they want to be run. We're, we're, we're a rarity that we're our own organization. We're not affiliated with anybody else. So we run all of our, all of our operations. We have paid staff to do it. A lot of them are run through YMCA's Parks and Recs. Uh, Kiwanis Lions Clubs, um, Civitan Clubs have run a lot, but everyone is different and kind of runs on their own. They're responsible for their own fundraising, their own um, kind of gameplay. The, the, the national office provides some kind of guidelines for usage of, of, of uh, logos, and, and they, they provide the smaller Miracle Leagues with a lot, of, a lot more resources as far as helping to build a field if that's what you want to do. Um, but, you know, they don't have to be played on a specialized field. A dirt field works as well. Um, there's other ways that you can kind of do it when you're starting out to be it. Um, you know, we're, we're probably one of the biggest Miracle Leagues there are uh, with our player capacity, and we and we only want to get bigger. So we, we, we're a good resource for people reaching out that want to start a Miracle League or want to help a Miracle League as well because we run one every day. Um, but, you know, we, we have they have a national all-star game they started doing a couple of years ago. Uh, and it's a good chance to go and meet other Miracle Leagues. Uh, we run a Facebook group for Miracle League directors. 
and, and board members to kind of answer any questions, share ideas uh, that are out there of things that are going on, especially as we're with pandemic as what you're doing, what are you doing about this? You know, it's a good chance to see who's doing what with uniforms. It's a good chance that, you know, hey, we need a new scoreboard. What is everybody using? So we want to be a resource just not only for our players and our parents, but also for other Miracle Leagues out there to kind of help them as well. Is there anything that you can think of that I didn't cover that you feel like we should share? For us, you know, as, as the, every league grows, I mean, again, we always want to make sure the most important thing that we do is our players on the field. So we, we have our mission, which is to provide positive life experiences for our players and their families through baseball. That's our mission. We, we post that everywhere in our office because every decision that we make as an organization, as a board, has to impact that in a positive way. So, you know, the Miracle League of Triangle is very fortunate to have the, the, be in the area that they are. The growth that we've experienced from 100 players to over 500 players to the third field that's hopefully opening this year <laughs> in Durham, which has been a whole another story all us own. But I mean, to be able to ha have that in a downtown facility where everybody can, that drives through that area that goes to a Durham Bulls miracle, goes to a Durham Bulls game, will see that field and ask yeah. that question: Hey, what's that about? You know, that's important to us to be that to have that awareness. Um, you know, that's our biggest challenge day in and day out is what is the awareness in the community of your organization and so you know we appreciate me and i'm coming on places you know this this podcast be able to share that and to get more people to know about us not only our miracle league but miracle leagues across the country because it's important that players and kids have the opportunity to play a sport to be a teammate to be parting of something that they wouldn't normally be able to do in, in normal situations i mean those lessons that we all learned as able-bodied people playing those sports these kids get to learn now you know yeah. One of the things I always say to a lot of people is you, you see the stories of, of the kids who have birthday parties and nobody shows up mm. as a miracle league player. That doesn't happen because you have teammates. Yeah. And that's important, not only on the field, but that's important off the field, which is much more important in, in the grand scheme of things than anything that we do. And that's why we love what we do. Well, this part of our interview is our speed round. And everyone has to go through this. I don't know if I if I told you much about it, but if we have listeners that have not heard of it, I'm going to go through it anyway. <laughs> so the speed round is a list of 10 questions that have nothing to do with the interview whatsoever. <laughs> it's more about you. And they're just questions of things that you like, that you don't like, things like that. And there's no, it's called a speed round, but there's no timer or anything. We we, we did away with the timer after the first interview. <laughs> so, Because uh -oh. we, we weren't able to finish before the timer <laughs> ran out. So. <laughs> You have the option. The first three questions are open-ended. Just answer whatever you want to. The rest right. of them are either or questions. So you're going to choose one or the other. If you can't choose one, you can say both or you can say pass on it. Okay. There's not a right or wrong on this. The only rule I'm is that you have now. to I'm scared now, but I, uh, I'm ready. Okay. All right. So the first question, um, what's your favorite color? I'm wearing a red shirt. I went to NC State, which is red, but it's not my favorite color. Uh, <laughs> green is my favorite color. And that 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 may be our first green so far. <laughs> What's the last book that you read? It, it's a, I read a lot of like uh, spy mystery thriller movie or books. I probably read one a month, if not two a month. So I read a lot. I can't think of the last one, but I'm in the middle of another one right now. It's kind of by the same author. Say he did some work with uh, Tom Clancy, so it's that type of genre okay. of, of books. Yeah, excellent. And what's your favorite holiday? Uh, see, I'm a big candy guy, so any holiday that has candy, I'm good with. Uh, but it, Christmas is always the best holiday just because I have kids and to see their expression. And oh, every yeah. kid that's out there, is, it's always Christmas. I do a lot of lights in my house. So, oh, okay, I, fun. It's part of me in that regard. All right, so the rest of these are either-or questions. So cake or ice cream? Ice cream. Batman or Superman? Ooh, 
Superman. Ocean or mountains? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Winter or summer? Summer. Watch a movie or read a book? Uh, probably read a book. Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings? Lord of the Rings. Ooh, you may be the first one with that one. Twitter or Instagram? Uh, Twitter. How can our listeners contact you if they have any questions? You can reach me at, at my email address, bcaps at mltriangle.com. Our website is mltriangle.com. Um, you can find us on social media under those titles as well. Uh, we have Facebook, we have Twitter, we have Instagram. Um, it's good avenues that we use, especially a lot of Facebook for communication. But if you want to kind of see what a gameplay is about, go to all of them. You'd see what it's about. You see what's all of our news and events that we have going on. Um, we have YouTube channel as well, at, um, with Miracle League of the Triangle. You can see every video that we've done. You can see us when we were, we were fortunate to be, uh, featured on the national news back in 2018 lester holt did a, did a great story on us um so you know we're we're on we're on the web and on social media so you know the but the best way is to find out about the miracle league of the triangles directly through our website um and you can you click on my name on there and communicate with me that way or you can kind of okay. send me an email and reach out thank you for taking the time to to go through all these questions with us today i'm hoping that our listeners um that are in the area especially will contact you and and come and check it out whether they're watching want to come and volunteer or if they have a child who they want to sign up as part of a team well, well thank you for having me again you know our biggest challenge is, is the awareness part and this is just another tool and that we really appreciate being able to, to to talk to you today about it great thank you you've been listening to the water prairie chronicles any resources mentioned during this episode will be posted in the description if you're interested in joining us as a guest contact us through the links in the description below be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends we appreciate your support as we build this resource thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week for a new episode Thank you.